sitting here with Eddie Som, Chief Operating Officer of the Soms Companies throughout Indianapolis, which includes one of my local brewery spots that I love called Big Lug. I appreciate you sitting down for this, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm busy. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I bet, man. For uh, for those that are maybe watching this or unfamiliar with the scene that we have here in Indianapolis and how Soms is really an institution that, what is the origin story of how you guys got started and had all the restaurants that you do within the region? As far as uh, Psalms is concerned, Ed started in 1986. That's my father. And uh, a lot of people think it's like older than that, but no, it's it's on that like 36 year range, which is uh, it's just kind of crazy. Uh, so Ed started that. He, he ran that business kind of on its own for a few years. He, he did a lot of things leading up to that. Uh, he was business partners with Mike Cunningham for a while, uh, had a couple different business partners around town. Opened up Smee's Place with Tim Smeeheis, and I mean, you name it, he kind of did it. He owned frozen yogurt shops. He owned a, <laughs> like a, a Chinese fusion restaurant. He owned breakfast places, a little bit of everything. Uh, but eventually, just settled mostly on a Psalms concept, and catering was always a big thing for us. And um, I came along after 2009. I graduated from Purdue and um, opened up Psalms Place. It had been open. I bought it from my uncle who used to be involved in the business. And, uh, you know, after that, I ran that for about five years before I opened up Big Lug in 2015 mm-hmm. um, and operated a couple of our restaurants, started to be more involved with the overall operation. And from there, I think that's kind of the company we are today. We've opened up some different projects with the brewery involved, heavily with the brewery. We've created more of a commissary system where, you know, it's kind of like a local ecosystem of a restaurant. Um, you know, we make our own bread. Uh, we make sauces off-site. Um, you know, we have our own training team that goes around. Uh, we've tried to treat it as a, you know, uh, something that could ha- maintain as much quality as we can, uh, and eventually have the ability to grow and, and serve underserved spots and continue just to feed Indiana. You know, we have no ambition to go outside of the state. Really, not much ambition to go out of Central Indiana. Uh, we have a couple projects that do, but. That's, that's kind of where we're at today, um, just a, a, a pretty interesting company that's always looking to add into our ecosystem. Um, we don't really want to add anything that's not restaurant-based or food and beverage-based. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's who we are. We, we only do food and beverage. I tell everyone who works here that uh, you work for a company that only does restaurants, so a restaurant's got to make money. You know, we don't have a lot of outside investment. Uh, we don't have any, um, you know, we don't have a lawyer in the family or <laughs> someone who invented some patent that makes millions of dollars or, you know, there's nothing we really have that we lean on or do it because it's uh, fun. I mean, it is fun, but we do it because it's our career. Um, so when you work for us, you're going to get people who are driven to run profitable restaurants and restaurants that uh, can support the community where we can stay open and the community can have a reliable place. So anyone who works for us, I think, walks away at least knowing that they worked for a company that focuses on well-run restaurants and not just fun spaces. I think that's equally as important um, for anyone who works for us. So today I think we're known as a place that, that makes uh, great stuff, uh, has been open for a long time, uh, and is, is actively involved because we have to be. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's about our, our story. Right on, man. It's, uh, you know, I work with a lot of business owners in my day gig as a, as a wealth advisor, mm-hmm. and you tell me all the stories about your dad starting these things. Is growing up in a family where that entrepreneurial spirit was, you know, on a heightened state of awareness, did that mm-hmm. feed into you growing up within that family to want to pursue that yourself and kind of branch out with all you I think so. I mean, Ed, 
was always pretty laid back about that. I mean, I remember him having conversations with me about like, don't go into restaurants, uh, you know, and, which I think probably made me want to go into it more. But uh, I, he's always been very realistic about what he does. I think, you know, Ed is an entrepreneur by every by every stretch. The guy is kind of a, a jack of all trades. And anyone who knows Ed knows that he's very genuine. And I think really good entrepreneurs are, are very genuine. Uh, it starts with passion and love. Um, the people who just do it because, oh, there might be some money or it might make me look cool, I think those people usually end up flailing out um, and, and the, the passion's just not there. Ed loves this stuff. And from there, he's, he's become a kind of a dynamic, almost contractor. He builds out kitchens, builds out spaces. You know, we have a, 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 you know, a mechanical company who works on HVAC uh, and mostly does our own restaurants, but we do some outside work as well. Um, you know, we, do, we bake bread, we make beer. Um, you know, we have a logistics company now that sends bread and foodstuffs to different restaurants. So Ed is an entrepreneur, but, you know, I think more than anything, we're, we're people who just love food and beverage. So as I grew up, I just saw a guy who would coach all of my teams and would make time to cook at home and make time to volunteer, you know, whether that was at church or at our schools. And, yeah, he worked a lot of hours, you know, and was and there were some times where it's like, yeah, that's what restaurant life is. You're just not present as much as you'd like to be. But he was committed to making it work. And I think whether that was in life or in business, that was what I learned from Ed was like you got to be committed and you got to you got to do everything you take to make that thing grow and prosper. So he does that in family, he does that in business, and so those are the things I think I learned uh, from a young age is more than oh look at this business my dad's doing. You know I was always seeing the the positive reasons to do it, the fundamental reasons to do it, not the let me tell you about the the budget and the the numbers I see and how much it could grow. I think, you know, I wish we were more like that and analytical, but we're pretty gut-based. We just kind of feel it. <laughs> We've learned to be better about it, but, uh, you know, it's it's something that he was much more just involved and active and he could see those opportunities grow. So, yeah, I learned a lot, and I think it's, it's just also something I've just kind of learned how to love the places I live and the people that are around me. Gotcha. Now, zeroing in on Big Lug specifically, you said it's been around since 2015. Did you have a a background in beer? Did you have a love of beer? Is it something you wanted to kind of add into the yeah. Psalms mix? Well, yeah, I, you know, I don't actually brew. Yeah. Um, I mean, I probably, I probably could. Uh, I know enough about it now. But uh, I loved beer, and I loved the culture of beer, like the real culture of beer, like drinking with other people and gathering and beer as a, um, a, a, a beacon of, like, a, a community. Yeah. You know, and, and it's also why I tried to open up a German restaurant. You know, that closed during because of COVID. Hopefully, one day we get to go back into that. I, I truly do love German culture and food. But uh, for us personally, uh, as we looked at doing beer, we had a really great beer bar at Sam's place. Um, I met a lot of the different reps and, and brewers, and uh, I just loved what people were doing. Um, I, I loved that you could be so dedicated to something and find so much people who that brought them joy. Uh, and I introduced that to our company, whether that was Beer Brewery and, and Darren and Jerry and Ryan. They're, they're awesome, awesome people. You know, whether that was those guys or Sun King and Clay and Dave. And, um, you know, you go down the list. I mean, you know, I was buddies with John and Triton and all those guys kind of became, you know, people that I looked up to and thought did interesting things. Uh, you know, but I also saw that there was an opportunity in breweries where uh, breweries were kind of ba- not based around food. 
and you would look at other cities where beer was very popular, be that San Diego or Portland or you know, you know, uh, Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon. Uh, there's plenty of cities that were kind of burgeoning on the brew pub scene. Sure. Uh, and a specific one that I really liked was Iron Hill uh, out of out of Philadelphia. And I just thought that was something we could do. We we are really good at food and beverage. Um, I know a lot about beer, and I knew how to pair things. I did a lot of beer dinners. Uh, I could tell you, you know, all about the beer you're drinking. And you know, I started geeking out on IBUs and SRM, and 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 you know what maltsters were doing to get the flavors they wanted to do, and you know what kind of soil you needed to be growing hops. And you know, I fell in love with it and uh, realized pretty quickly that it was something that I was never going to be truly happy with unless we made our own. Um, so that's kind of where Big Lug came from. You know, I started with Scott Ellis, and he's uh, just a wonderful guy more than anything else. Uh, but he's also a terrific brewer. And then uh, from there I met uh, Brian Taylor very early on. And Brian was just someone who had a, a knack for beer and wanted to learn. Learned a lot from Scott. and uh, But he had a finance background and operations background, so now he's my, my VP of brewing operations. So I kind of have uh, him as my, my sales and, and organization and, and processes and also, you know, recipe building and helping. And a guy like Scott to make sure our brewing's always top-notch. We don't skip on standards. We don't skip on cleaning. You know, we really pride ourselves on making fully attenuated, fun style of beers. Uh, not so much, you know, award-winning, you know, we're going to do it exactly to style. We want stuff that pairs well with food and is really drinkable. And you could come into our restaurant any time and find something you'd want to drink. So... Uh, we got a great team, and it all really just started with a love of the, the community-building aspect. Nice. That's that's a, a common theme with a lot of brewers I talk to is mm-hmm. about community. And also one of the things that I love engaging with is it's it's a unique space in that the, the creativity is always built around a lot of different aspects of it, but more importantly in the right. names. You know, right. like, like I'm drinking here, I'm drinking Goat Ranch, man. Yeah. This, this is one of my favorite that you guys do. Yeah. Uh, as it pertains to how you guys come together, is it a, is it a team effort to how you sling the names, or is it just something that um, Scott and the guys that are brewing the stuff come up with? It depends. It really does. I, I name most of the beers. Okay. Um, not out of like a pride thing. I think out of honestly, everyone wants to name beers until you have to name a beer. <laughs> and then, then it's really hard and you get like embarrassed. or You know, I don't know. Like the beer names that I truly love. Uh, I think probably not even of ours, just of any beer. Yeah. I think start with just something random. They usually come out of like a, uh, a good group of people talking. Um, so a lot of our names will start where we're at a concert, and I heard my buddy say something like, "Oh man, that's kind of that's kind of great. We should do that." Uh, or you can try to force it. And I've had some names that came out of being forced uh, or thinking a lot. But you know, honestly, I think it's really easy to overthink it. Beer is not supposed to be so uh, critical all the time. I think there's a place for that stuff. And there's definitely breweries who succeed in that realm. But we don't really try to be that. Uh, so I name most of the beers. But, like, for instance, your beer, Goat Ranch, is a, uh, uh, a beer that we named on a golf course. Uh, we, we do golf course operations. We don't run golf courses, but we work with a golf course company. Sure. Uh, and we manage the food and beverage at three different courses around the state. And we were playing at Fall Creek Golf Course in, in, yeah. uh, Prairie, uh, or in uh, Pendleton. And it's kind of a, it's just kind of like a, uh, it's, not, it's not a bad course, it's, it's, but it's not supposed to be like 
oh, you should go play that course. Right. It's nice for the town of Pendleton. You know, it's just a little thing. It's pretty affordable. But, you know, what you would call, in my world, I play a lot of golf. I, I really do like golf. I grew up playing a lot of golf. My dad was uh, a really good golfer, caddied at Broadmoor. So it's always had a special place for us just because, like, where he grew up, his mom was an accountant there. And so he taught me to play at a young age. And um, uh, so for me, I was, I've always called, you know, golf courses that weren't up to par uh, goat ranches. It was like like you let the goats chew the grass, right? I mean, it's like it's not really professionally mowed. It's just kind of fun, but it's a goat ranch. So we were on the course, and and Scott, who's also a pretty good golfer, uh, asked, you know, um, we were talking about making a lager. We were talking about, you know, we're on a golf course. Why don't we make a beer that a golfer would drink? That's a beer that anyone would drink. You know, you don't want to get too drunk. You want to have a couple beers. You know, it takes a few hours to play around. Why not have something like that? And he goes, well, you know, describe the course for me. And so we were talking about the course. I don't know, this one's kind of like a goat ranch. And we were like, well, that's a pretty good name. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I love it. I'm a golfer myself. In fact, in yeah. our office, we have a simulator so we can uh, play golf during the wintertime. Yeah, there and just, you go. Uh, some clients and bring that's everybody nice. into it. Yeah, man, you got to come out. We'll, yeah, we'll show be, you around. Yeah, we do that. We'll show you around. Well, one of the things I, I always like to, to talk with brewers about is obviously their lineups are obviously their successes. Mm-hmm. Um, coming through the craziness that we just did, you know, obviously – Learning from failure is a big thing for any business owner I talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, talk with or talk to. You know, have grown up in hospitality and seeing all the different changes. And as the, you mentioned, the German brew hall want to revisit that. Have you learned from a lot of those mm-hmm. failures that have kind of, you know, strengthened the successes that you've had? Yeah, I mean, yes. I, I think basically every shift could be a failure in the restaurant world. So, uh, you know, I, most people I know that went from restaurants to a new job. I've never really met anyone who was like, man, this new job I have is really hard. It's like <laughs> the mental toll of restaurants is real. And for some, it's invigorating. You know, uh, I love it, but I love to entertain. Uh, not like have people to my house. I'm actually kind of a loner in that way. But uh, I love to just have people in my restaurants and see people I know. And, you know, I, I kind of have like a four-minute threshold talking to people. It's like after four minutes, I like ADHD or something I have to get away so restaurants are perfect it's like oh, I'll talk to you then I'll talk to you then I'll talk to you and I'll yeah, go yeah. hide in the kitchen and do some orders and come back out but uh, you know as, as far as what I've learned you know the, during COVID uh, you know I think it really just highlighted the challenges that everyone in the company faces not just myself and and highlighting those that are upcoming versus letting it get to a point whether that's burnout which is something that's very real our industry in Indianapolis and in Indiana and the country, uh, probably the world, uh, you know, there's this, this burnout in the industry because it was really difficult with just uh, all the, you know, things were polarizing, whether it was, you know, politics or no sports or, uh, you know, uh, no school, you know, what, what hospitals, everything became so, uh, uh, so much of an argument. You, you had to be on one side of the belief. And that got translated to restaurants, and we were kind of looked at as the beacon of morality. Like, you know, like, <laughs> oh, you're open? That must mean, like, no, man, we're just open. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to mean anything else. And uh, it just became that. And it was, I think a lot of people got tired. I think um, the servers are just like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with some customer who, whether they were really, really nice or really, really mean and what it didn't matter. You know, I think I didn't identify that problem soon enough. So right now, you know, we're dealing with our own turnover. I think any article you read about restaurants will tell you that it's understaffed, and, and sure. it's true. But I think as much of it is, uh, you know, a COVID problem is as much as it is probably my problem and fault that we just didn't address the issue soon enough. So we're doing things right now to put 
to try to stop that, but also to just be more transparent in our job descriptions and how we hire and what we expect out of people, making sure they know right away that we give them tools to be successful in kind of a career path moving forward. I think that's what our, our, our industry has to do as a whole. So yeah, I've learned from failures for sure, but every day can be a failure in this industry, You know, whether that's someone didn't like a tenderloin or uh, you know, you spent way too much money and your inventory report makes you look like you have no idea what you're doing because you just lost like 10 grand this month. I mean, you know, we're a large company. Uh, so every little, every day, there's a lot of little things that can add up. Uh, but, you know, we've been lucky not to have too many failures, but the ones we have, we try to learn from quicker than, than not, you know, don't rest on our laurels, I guess. Sweet. Now you mentioned uh, uh, community, man. And I think that's a big part of what a lot of people try to do, like when I talked to Dave, as you mentioned, to try and they now have a community being built around them. When yeah. you kind of search out places that you want to be where hopefully in the good times and bad, the community responds to you. When you guys mm-hmm. are looking to place a new place or what you did with even Big Lug where you put it right on the monument, yeah. what are some of those goals that you're trying to get when you kind of space out where you want to have the next location be? Is yeah. being in a community setting where you can kind of have that walking crowd or is mm-hmm. it just trying to get some spillover to something that works yeah. in the past? There's... When we go to open certain things, I think one of the things we try to do is find old restaurants, restaurants that were there, the community knew about them, um, and we kind of go in and and reestablish what it looks like to be a restaurant in that area. Um, I mean, you go back to when Ed opened Sam's Place, you know, Sam's Place was, it was called something different, Uh, very successful upscale restaurant, Um, uh, I'm blanking on the two people who owned it, right? but... uh, our eventual director of operations, he doesn't work in the company anymore, but uh, he worked there, Simon, and then they had a great chef who runs one of the better restaurants in, in town, Steve Oakley, uh, was there um, cooking, and uh, they had Tony Hanslitz there, and it was a great place. Uh, they moved and did and, and moved spots, and we came in there and opened up. But even if you look at Big Lug, Big Lug was the Snooty Fox. It was yeah. a restaurant that was there. Half Leader was Bent Rail and it was a restaurant that was there. This was Muldoon's, where we're at right now. It was Muldoon's. We named it Psalms. Now it's called Haas. It's just my grandpa's nickname. Um, so we always kind of go into old restaurants because the community knows where we're at. We feel like it's a, a, a chance for us to kind of reestablish ourselves in that neighborhood. Um, and we believe in you know just connecting people. And so the Monon made a lot of sense to me just because it was, I live in Broderpool, yeah. Warfleet, but right by Broderpool. And uh, I ride my bike. Um, you know, I like to walk to my buddies' houses. I like to walk my dogs and, you know, on the Monon. And uh, for a long time, that just seemed like a really obvious choice. Uh, so when the, when the opportunity came, we would take those choices. And it's just awesome to see so many other people who've been doing that, whether that's the cultural trail uh, and places like Bluebeard, really taking advantage of that and seeing all the, you know, all those people who've taken advantage of that. Uh, you know, it's great to see restaurants do that just because it, it awakens people to what's around them. And you just start to see people figure out the connect the dots things that cities have to figure out. Sure. You know, I'd love to see our, our government, you know, step up in Indianapolis and have more initiatives for biking and uh, uh, in general just being a, a, a more positive place to to walk and, and bike and commute uh, for people who don't just drive cars. But, you know, that's it's not something I'm ready to really be fully active on yet, maybe one day. But, you know, recently we had someone who passed away at 86th in Westfield um, from a bike accident. And I think, you know, that's the type of stuff that makes me think about how we can do even more of what we're doing and, and, and focus more on bike safety, uh, Monon safety, public access being uh, uh, looked at as a, a critical thing in our cities. Yeah. 
uh, and people taking it more seriously. So, uh, you know, that's the we, – we love the idea of community. But I think you got to think outside your own four walls sometimes uh, and realize how you're a part of people's just daily lives. Um, you're more than just a food and beverage spot. Um, you're a place that has to invigorate your staff, invigorate the people who live around you, show that you're a, a, a custodian of the community. You'll clean up, you'll organize, you'll you'll be a place that people can feel safe at and anyone's welcome. So, you know, you, you have to think in, in that term to be a really good uh, a restaurateur, in my opinion. Um, so I think Ed does a great job of that. And like I said at the beginning, that's the type of stuff that I learned at a young age versus, hey, let me show you these numbers and how rich we're going to get. You know, <laughs> one thing I can tell you is I don't think Ed and I will ever be rich, but, uh, you know, we do have a lot of places that we love to run, um, but we're not in it for the money, you know. So if you if we didn't love the community as much as we did and yeah. didn't love Indiana and Indianapolis as much as we did, uh, you know, this, would, this job would kind of suck. Um, so, <laughs> I got you there. Yeah. Well, you said you jumped in uh, at first in 2009, and then you opened up the brewery in 2015. You know, grown up within the environment's a little different as being an owner-operator different than you thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's more you, your day just doesn't really end. You know, I think one of the beautiful things about restaurants is, is like your day starts and ends. You're, you know, if you're a server, it, you know, it starts and ends. You you don't have a table who stays from yeah. not. 9 p.m. till 11 a.m. the next day. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's nice. And I think it's a reason a lot of people do like this industry is you can kind of turn it on and off. Uh, but as I got out of cooking and serving and bartending, which is what I did, uh, you know, kind of growing up, um, as I got out of that and got into ownership side of things, you know, it just really never stops. And you have to learn how to manage stress differently. And you have to learn how to find kind of that, like, uh, middle ground and, and – how do you meditate? You know, how do you get into a state of like clear brain where you can find real rest and uh, and real time to kind of like think about the future without all the problems that are piling up? So that's the type of stuff I've tried to focus on and, and get better at. But it's uh, yeah, it's ownership is is very different. And no matter if it's a small little place that does you know uh, uh, two hundred grand a year, or if it's a company our size that you know, has big pictures of, of, you know, trying to be a $30 million company a year, uh, you know, and, and really providing awesome jobs in the community. Um, it doesn't matter. It's just hard. It's just a different mind. You got to be able to take it home and maintain really good relationships and maintain friendships and maintain ambitions. And, and that can get in the way. I, I, the, the people who own businesses and get depressed, I think that probably wasn't something they planned on having. And that's the type of stuff that weighs you down. So... Gotcha. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, one of the uh, quotes I read uh, in leading up to this was you said you wanted to uh, leave a culinary mark mm -hmm. uh, with organic, uh, forward-thinking ways that impact the community that you're in. Yeah. Uh, is there any trends you're seeing that is something that you're going to want to explore next outside of what you guys are doing within the framework of the um, current environment? Yeah. As far as food, and, I mean, I know I'm going to stay in food and beverage. Yeah. I don't want to do anything outside of that. Uh, you know, I think a big thing for us is, is just transparency in jobs and what we're, what we're asking for. And I think trying to really hone in on the skill sets that we teach and uh, knowing what they are so that as people come to work for our company that you leave gaining skills and, and you're going on to a next job, uh, a new career or the same career where we're a stepping stone into that. You know, ideally we have amazing upper management which I think we do have a lot of those pieces in place, but we have amazing upper management, and 
you can't really get into those roles because you'd have to take someone amazing's yeah. role. But we gave you the skills and tools needed to move on. I think our industry doesn't really focus on that a lot. You know, we tend to to just burn people out because. Um, hey man, that's the only thing you can do. There's no really where to grow. Um, you know, there's a guy Richard Melman uh, who who owns Let Us Entertain You, and and his family does that. And it's a kind of re- it's a really interesting Chicago concept that finds uh, basically proprietors to go out and open up new places. There's no challenge they won't take on if you show the skill and the mindset to do something that they're gonna they're gonna work with you to get that done. You know, I think we're trying to figure out how to be a great career company and not a gig company. Um, and I think it starts with transparency because you got to work. You, there's a lot of hours. Uh, it's demanding. Uh, it's mentally demanding. It can be very physically demanding. So we're trying to be more transparent. And I think trying to show the path towards what today's age is saying is is expected out of a healthy quality life and trying to meet that standard. You know, I'd be lying if I told a manager they're going to make a hundred grand a year and work 40 hours. There's jobs that do that. But we're not one, yeah. you know, and I think that's what I'm trying to start with is like, don't lie and, right. and make people hate our industry because we lie about things and we, we, we try to use you uh, for our own benefit. Uh, you know, so starting with transparency, I think that's key. It's a very big modern thing. Uh, you know, we have a, a, a social commitment that we have to make and we have to live up to that we're a safe place to work and we welcome a lot of people. And I think restaurants in general just have to be open to that idea. doesn't mean you can't have clubs or you can't have like memberships sure, or stuff like sure. that. There's a place for those. But, uh, you know, that's one of the things I'm trying to live up to and know that the people who come and work here, uh, there's just different types of people uh, that are constantly pushing the boundaries of uh, what it means to self-identify and, and be themselves. And we got to be a place that embraces that and, and knows that those people uh, deserve a place to work and grow just as much as anybody else. So, you know, I think it's kind of interesting to see all the young people and all these different paths they can take because of uh, uh, the world has been unlocked for them. And there's so much they can find and different groups they can, you know, go into and, and learn from and, and grow. So that's the first step for us. I think from there... You know, from a business, I know that I want to do more uh, beverage exploration. We started doing RTD cocktails, which are ready-to-drink cocktails. Mm. You know, I just think having gluten-free and and low-calorie, low-carb, healthy alternative drinks. Uh, You know, we've we've discussed how we get into non-alcoholic brewing. Is that something that we want to borderline do? Uh, My family has uh, a lot of uh, a lot of history with uh, uh, substance abuse. Not my, my direct family necessarily, but in general, you know, you find a restaurant or you find a Northside Catholic family, there's probably going to be someone who has an abuse issue or two. Uh, you know, so I think I, I feel like I have a social responsibility to, to continue to provide those options um, and not just be a place where you come and get messed up and, and uh, that's, what I, that's what I want to do to make money. It's not. Um, I know I want to focus on fermentation, so uh, ciders and, and uh, finding new ways to create uh, fun beverages. You know, it's kind of what I call them. They're, uh, so I know there's more stuff that I want to do. As far as food's concerned, you know, I just want to find and, and harness creativity in, in people uh, and, and hope that I can become a person who allows those people to find something bigger and better than where they were at before. I don't think we're there yet, but that's kind of what we're trying to set ourselves up for is a place that people are actively seeking and that Indianapolis becomes a hotbed for, uh, uh, you know, culinary fermentation. And I'm not alone in that. I think there's a lot of people in Indianapolis who are uh, 
really doing a great job of promoting uh, getting young people in and cooking and getting a new generation of people making food and exploring what it means to serve and, and uh, dine somewhere. So, uh, you know, that's the stuff that we're focusing on is, is food and beverage and, and giving our workplace the, the best possible place to work. Fantastic. That's that's great that you, that you want to expand in all those different areas. That's, that's been a common theme. A lot of breweries that I've talked mm-hmm. to is how do I come from a brewery to then become a beverage company, right? Mm-hmm. You're seeing a lot of guys around here do the seltzers or... David, uh, uh, Dave Cole and Sun King doing the distillery and caramel, all mm-hmm. these different things. Are you guys having plans to kind of expand the Big Lug brand and do it through that, or you just want to do it through the, the branch of all the Psalms companies throughout the, throughout I don't, the city? I don't, think, I don't think we're interested in doing it. Uh, I mean, Big Lug Brewing Company is Big Lug Brewing Company. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we're trying to figure out who we are. I mean, we're in, you know, year uh, six, and uh, which seems just weird, but, uh, you know, I think for us... This will be the first year we actually have a planned schedule, and uh, uh, we, we've kind of renegotiated our hops and, and have kind of decided the way we want to move forward with brewing beer. Um, so I don't want to mess with that anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, as far as Psalms is concerned, we know what Psalms is. Um, we're fine-tuning how they're run. So I think anything that we open in the future would be under different names. Yeah. You know, I, 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 bel- I want to have different concepts. Um, I want to be able to step into a room and, and think differently and uh, find people who, if, you know, my, I, I, in the management uh, philosophy that I have, um, you know, GMs, managers, we're teachers. And the thing that we teach is how do you uh, identify and learn to hide and lessen your weaknesses um, and learn to identify and accentuate and, and teach how to use them in a better way, your strengths. So I like to go and open up new spots. So as I find different employees and different ones, you know, I know that if they have a certain skill set, they might really work in another spot. Um, if they have a certain weakness, you know, that I might be able to have them learn and grow better in a different area. Uh, so, you know, I really want to keep pushing myself to do different stuff. I know Ed's the same way. Um, he's never going to retire. I mean, he, we won't. I know that for a fact. Um, you know, we know that that's the next step for us. So if we were to do anything else, um, we would we would open it up under the same company, you know, the Psalms Hospitality Group. But I don't think we would do anything, you know, under like Big Lug Cocktails or, gotcha. you know, we do like the canned cocktails. It says Big Lug, but that was just because we were, you know, canning it there and, and uh, working with West Fork Whiskey doing that. But eventually we'll open up stuff that has different names. That'd be the goal. I mean, you know. You know, knock on wood. Sure. It might never happen, but uh, that would be, it wouldn't be Big Lug, Big Lug, Big Lug. Big Lug's very unique. It's in Nora. We love it there. (laughs) Uh, It's somewhere where I had a lot of friends and and played sports and uh, still live, you know, five minutes from. So as far as that's concerned, you know, that's Nora's thing. Uh, And Big Lug Brewing Company is, you know, kind of larger than life, your fun-loving buddy, you know, uh, you know, a, a goofy uh, opinionated, but always going to uh, sit down and have a beer with you, uh, company. Um, and we're going to keep pushing that and name beers after that and make styles after that that, that uh, embodies that type of persona. So that's where that's going to go, and um, we'll see what else we open up. I got, I always have like five or six different brands that I'm, I'm typing up and saving in my computer and, and mood boarding and just because it's fun. Something sure. I, I, I love doing, and when I was in school, that's what I would do is just sketch and draw and think about daydream about the places I was going to open up one day. So I still do that type of stuff. And, you know, there's hopefully one or two of those comes to life. 
Fantastic. Well, I love the aesthetic that you have at a lot of your different places. You mentioned, you know, especially with like Big Lug or something, you mentioned the areas like San Diego and Portland. Did you did you guys draw on any of those kind of as those cities as kind of influences as you were kind of designing how the build out of the place would be, kind of lining up the patio right to the, yeah, the trail I, I, there? Yeah, I love Portland, uh, Oregon, and uh, it's been a place that I've visited um, a number of times. And, uh, you know, I think when I looked at other cities and how brew pubs were operating – you know, they weren't afraid to be only themselves and, and, and let the people who came in and the uh, brand and the aesthetic kind of lead the way. And uh, you saw that a lot in some of the cities that were maybe a little bit more, um, you know, uh, likely to support a craft brewery or support mm-hmm. local restaurants. Indianapolis can be a little chain heavy, clearly. Um, but, you know, you'd go in there, there wouldn't be a uh, they wouldn't carry guest taps not that there's anything wrong with that but you know brewery would carry their own beer and uh you wouldn't have different stuff on the walls you know a, a, a colt's budweiser yeah. or whatever um so i tried to kind of say look if we're going to do something it's going to be original and we're going to lead the way and uh, we're going to believe in ourselves to create a place that other people want to come to and we're not going to latch on to outside brands or outside you know all those things that can go into a bar because there's a place for those there's sure. a place for the bars that have you know all the memorabilia and budweiser <laughs> yeah. i i yeah. hell i mean you know psalm's place is kind of like that to me mm-hmm. that's what it was you know we still serve 23 ounce miller light and you know it's like i got nothing wrong with that young young eddie did you know current me doesn't but uh you know i think as we as we go forward with the branding we definitely pull on different people you know i i, I look at messaging and and build outs and, and, and menus all the time. Uh, you know, as far as locally, I'm always inspired by, you know, uh, Ed and Tom Batista's companies and always think that guys like, uh, uh, you know, John Brooks are making great stuff. And, you know, you look at, uh, you know, even local restaurateurs on the, the north side um, who are constantly pushing to, to feed communities in, in local ways, even though there's a chain restaurant across the street. Uh, but, you know, I look at Allagash Brewing and Sierra Nevada Brewing and um, Green Bench Brewing, and I, I, I find people who are, are doing things the right way uh, and leading with confidence and uh, have big ambitions, but they live up to it by really great operations. Those are the companies I'm looking to, not just the ones who named a beer something crazy or <laughs> used, used uh, 2,000 pounds of adjuncts to make a beer. You know, I'm looking at ones who have high ambitions and, and, but do it the right way and are supporting local maltsters and uh, you know, uh, trying constantly to support local and build ecosystem-type uh, uh, businesses. That's the stuff I'm looking for, and I think you find that more in Portland and San Diego and Chicago and, and New York and Boston and you know. But we can find those. I mean, we can be yeah. that. We can be that place. I think we're we're slowly thinking more like that. And uh, you know, I think as long as we can be someone who carries that torch, I'd be happy. Yeah, I think we definitely, as a state, I think we are definitely moving that direction. I think when I was talking with Dave and Cole to Sun King or even Dave Waldman at Triton when they mm-hmm. started, there was maybe. 35, 40 breweries in the state. Now there's 180 plus. Yeah, I don't even know. So it's it's, it's crazy. So, yeah. but I don't, even with that many, I don't think there's a saturation problem. I think everybody no. finds the, the tastes and the aesthetics that they like and they, they frequent them in their communities. And yeah. I think that's, and everybody's well connected with each other. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, people that despise each other or all these different things. Right. It's like there's sharing yeah. of ideas and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's competition and, yeah. and that's okay. I, I think, neighborhood spots are what restaurants are all about. I mean, 
we don't really own a lot of non-neighborhood spots. Yeah. You know, Big Lug Brewing sells to other restaurants, and uh, I mean, I think we have a good product, and I think people can carry it, and you'll find people who want to drink it if you're another restaurant tour. But I, I look at more breweries as a good thing if they're neighborhood based and they support a local um, need for it. Yeah. But if I got mad about every brewery that opened up, <laughs> then I, I, I would have fit the bill as that idiot, too. Yeah. So when I see someone open up in Noblesville or, you know, even like recently places like Goodman House that aren't that far away from us, it's like, look, man, the neighborhood clearly had a need. They're busy and um, they've learned how to satisfy those people and they make good beer and um, they've they found their, their type of uh, uh, aesthetic that really works and you know, good things will come from that type of thinking. Yeah. So as long as that type of stuff happens, like not everyone's going to be Sun King. Uh, you sure. know, you talk about like fitting a need. Yeah. You know, they were very good at that and did a great job of harnessing that, like the prowess of how to build up a beer like Cream Ale and Osiris. And so, yeah, not every brewery is going to open up here and, and be three Floyds, right. but you can make your neighborhood really happy. And as you start to have a better brand and a better identifying beer, a better core lineup. Yeah, you might be able to introduce people from farther out who buy into that culture. So, um, yeah, that's what we found at Big Lug. There's people who come up to me who live in South Bend and are like, I love Big Lug. And I'm like, what do you mean you love Big Lug? What are you talking about? (laughs) But they came in. They've heard about it. They love the beer. They, you know, they know someone who goes there and they mailed them some beer or whatever. And it's like, well, that's cool. That's great. You know, but we have no... We have no desire to be Sun King. That's yeah. really hard, and it's a whole different skill sure. set that, that they have that you know uh, we don't necessarily have. Uh, but it's all about the culture you build and if people buy into it or not. You know, uh, So that's, for me, the more competition, the better, as long as they're doing it for the right reasons, not just gunning for our tap lines or oh, trying absolutely. to close our restaurants. Well, absolutely. Well, what's your favorite tap that you have within Big Lug, and then what's... Your favorite Indiana beer outside of your own blends, if you had to drink one. My favorite Big Lug beer? Um, that's a good question. I mean, the beer that's in my fridge the most uh, is Goat Ranch is our year-round beer. We're actually introducing, we're going to have four-year-round beer starting in 2022. Um, man, we make a beer called Topanga that I love. It's one of my better names. I'm going to give myself credit for that one. Uh so Topanga. It's kind of close to that old '90s show. Where, what was that? Yeah, Where it's, it's boy, young, boy, boy meets, meets world. world. There you go. Well, it's a blonde. Yeah. And what I call a crushable blonde. And I said <laughs> that everyone's first crush was was Topanga. If you were at like my yeah. age, you know, I was like I was, uh, 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 you know, um, that age when they were growing up. So like everyone loved sure. Topanga. Um, that beer, you know, I love. We make a Schwartz beer, uh, a dark German lager, uh, a Munich Dunkel, and um, it's called a. Uh, 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 of course, I would blank on the name right now. Why wouldn't I? Uh, it's called Duke. Yeah. Um, and uh, when we make that beer and can it, I'll, I'll have a six-pack in the fridge all the time. It's just a really good beer. If, like, we have a fire at my house or, you know, we're outside, you know, grilling, it's the perfect beer for that. Uh, so those are probably, like, my two favorite. Um, we make a beer right now, a porter, uh, very, a very basic uh, English porter. It's made really well and, and using, you know, top-notch ingredients. But we're going to be renaming it. I won't say that now what it is but it's gonna it's called monon mash right now it's very close we didn't mean it to be but it's very close to a beer made by broader pole brew pub a name so we're i don't mess with that they're amazing (laughs) they're the perfect example of a neighborhood brewery they are they're tried and true i really think those guys do just uh the perfect thing for for uh where they're at 
So I, we're changing it out of respect for them. So we're going to go and, and, and name that. But we do that beer right now that's on tap, and it's it's awesome. I think it's one of Scott and Brian's best beers. Um, so, yeah, those are the three beers that I drink of ours the most. I like our IPAs, but yeah. um, we, we make so many that's hard to say what favorite one I have. Favorite Indiana beer? Um, that's a good question. I like uh, Chili Water. Um, the Working Man Pills uh, is pretty good. I stopped drinking that a while ago from Fountain Square, but anything Chili Water is great. Um, man, what's my favorite Indiana beer? I drink way too much Big Love right now. <laughs> I drink, well, yeah, my favorite beer in general uh, is Celebration IPA by Sierra Nevada. Mm. I, I mean, if it's out, then that's all I'm drinking, so that's what I'm drinking. Um, well, let me ask you this. What was the first beer that hooked you? Because uh, okay. for me, in college, it was like just drink, you know, yeah. $12, 24 case of uh, Natty Light or, yeah. or whatnot, and then, I heard a fat, and then I had a fat tire, and that right. was like, that yeah. changed the game. Yeah, Amber Ales. First beer I ever had that made me reconsider what I thought about craft beer was Founders Breakfast Stout. Mm. Uh, you know, Blue Moon was the first one I had that, True. like, didn't taste yeah. of what my mind told me beer was. So that was the first one that, like, oh, this is beer? Like this is orange slice? Yeah, I, well, I was, you know, my buddy and I had, like, seen it, and we were, like, we were in college, and we were like, all right, whatever. We had, like, I had, I had started bartending, so I had some money, and I was like, oh, yeah, we'll spend money. Because for us, it, <laughs> money was buying a 24-pack yeah. of... Of, of St. Pauli Girl or, oh, yeah, or Blue Moon versus uh-huh. a 30, you know, of, of uh, uh, Milwaukee. So, like, for us, that was a big jump in, in price. But um, Founders Breakfast Out was the first beer I ever had that was like, like, oh, this is this is fantastic. Like, this is uh, uh, a Napa cab. This is a, you know, this is drinking, you know, the real French stuff in the wine world. You know, it was like, this is it. Like, uh, I, like how does how does someone do this? Then, and I became hooked on figuring out how you did it. Um, you know, there's it's it's like food. I mean, you find people who are savants, and you know, breweries like Founders have you know great brewers, and you know, practice the the highest standard of brewing quality. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm kind of in my head drawing through what my favorite Indiana beer is still. You know, honestly, uh, I love Three Floyds. Um, and I was uh, always really big into any kind of weird funk style that they would do. Um, if I see Three Floyds on tap, I'll probably give it a try just because it's so aggressive and, and different that I like to try them. But, you know, you've, you named Sun King. I, I will always be a Pachanga fan. I think it's a really great lager. I'll always be drinking one of those. And then um, I want to give you like a good answer that I know. No, it's good. Variety's good because I love Gumball Head from Three Floyds. I yeah. love Cream Ale from Sun King. I love all these different ones. I right. Like Lift Off IPA from Daredevil as recently is right. Way in my, in my fridge for more sure. And more. You know, Central uh, State was always a brewery. I would I'd be drinking Table every day if I could. It's a bummer that they're not around anymore. All, great guys, every single one of them. But um, so yeah, I don't know. There's there's so many beers. I think there's just a lot of talented people in town uh, that you should go see, and and more importantly, go see the neighborhood and like and see how it's a reflection on the neighborhood. I think Chili Water is a perfect example of that, and it's why I think of Dan's beers when I think about you know what my favorite beers are because he just does a a really nice job uh, making beers that the area would want to see. Um, so yeah, man, I think uh, as far as as where we're at and what we drink. We tend to just uh, drink our beer because we want to keep pushing the boundaries of uh, how good it could be. We've made bad beers, you know, no doubt about it. I think everyone has. So 
for me, I, I don't drink as much local because I'm constantly <laughs> drinking big lug stuff to figure out if it could be a little bit better. Sure. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good ones out there. It's kind of crazy to think about. Like Pax Vernum's making great stuff, and Bad Dad's making good stuff. And uh, who did I have the other day? Uh, uh, Primeval in Noblesville. Oh, yeah. yeah, Tim and Nate were my first episode. Yeah, I live up that way. So. Good. Good beer, and yeah. so it's like their German concept is, yeah. is pretty good too. So it's like you know, it's that's the type of stuff that's great to see. It's just more people who are passionate about things that bring people together, and um, you know, the one thing that we do, I think that we do better than anyone else, is we, we make from scratch food that's fun and interesting, and slightly you know, we can make it sophisticated. We can make it uh, ten thousand calories and carbs piled on top of each other. You know, we just try to have fun with it and make beer drinking food. So that's what we try to do. Sweet. Uh, really well. So yeah, that's a good question. I don't know, man. That's hard. <laughs> I got to think more about it. I honestly don't have a good answer for that one right now. It's all good, man. All right, last question for you. Uh-huh. You know, um, as an advisor in my day to day, you know, when I meet somebody for the first time, one of the questions I often ask them is, "I'm not. A, I don't look at ten years. I don't look at five years. Three years is a good vantage point uh-huh. for me to say, all right." If we started working together, what do you want to see happen either financially, professionally, emotionally in the next ten, next three years that we can look back on and say our time spent together was valuable? Mm-hmm. As it pertains to what you guys are doing with Psalms, Eddie, what do you see for the next three years that if we did a podcast three years from now and look back on, you could say with absolute certainty, hey, we're on the right path to doing what we set out to do mm-hmm. coming out of this mess that we were in the last eight Right, years. yeah. Um, in three years... Um, you know, we'll probably have ideally probably two or three new concepts by then. Um, you know, we're going to have a benefits package that's put together for January 2022 that uh, hopefully I can be raving about as um, a very modern, um, uh, great package that a lot of companies like ours can't offer or don't offer or maybe didn't take the time to invest in that we really focused on for about a year to get done the right way. Um, but if I'm making and drinking my own cider and uh, if I have a company that has uh, a full-fledged um, a corporate team to do marketing, accounting, uh, uh, and just help my management team be successful every day to allow the management side of my restaurants to live normal lives, quote-unquote normal lives, uh, I would be really happy. That's, you know, right now I'm telling people, yeah, you got to work 65 hours. What do you mean? You're a manager of a restaurant. That's normal. I don't want to keep being that guy. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's really hard. So if, if in three years I knew that was different and I had a lot of people uh, who were working and, and, and happy and contributing and volunteering, uh, including myself, then I think I would be really happy with where I'm at and uh, think that the future would be really bright. Uh, for our company so yeah three new projects and a more modern uh, management company would be would be great that's fantastic man well thank you for taking your mm-hmm. time man eddie Som, chief operating officer of all the sam companies here big lug brewing many locations throughout the city man go check them out brother yep. cheers thanks man appreciate all right. it thank you well that's it for this week's episode i hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as i did for the latest on financial views with local brews please check out our website at financialviewswithlocalbrews.com. You can also find us on YouTube via our channel there under the same name, Financial Views with Local Brews, as well as follow us on all of our social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, where you can like 
and connect with us throughout the craft beer universe that we're trying to explore here in the great state of Indiana. As always, cheers. The next round's on me, and I look forward to seeing you for future episodes. Bye, everyone.